We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. Blue Wire podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, oh, look at this. We, we are the three best friends that anyone could ever have. I know that one. Oh, yeah. We have Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty Fair good. Middling. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fun week. It's uh, no a lot of basketball. No, well, we did have some snow, evidently, uh, coming home from the Warrior game. I was very, very late, and I look at the stupid weather app on my phone, which I don't know your guys' thoughts, but apparently it's uh, not that like accurate. I don't know. But I brought it up, and no bullshit, it said that it was snowing in Sacramento. Animation of snowflakes accumulating on the ground, and then it was, and mind you, I did get out of the arena very, very late at night, early in the morning. So, um, yeah, apparently, according to the weather app, we had snow between the hours of like 2.30 and 4 a.m. in Sacramento. This... I say no, that didn't happen, because I just saw rain, but. Is this a Fox 40 app or like where no, are you going? No, it's the like, iPhone. How dare you? Most what is trusting happening? meteorology in town, buddy. There Adam it is. Epstein, shout out. Uh, no, <laughs> I will say um, uh, no. It, no, I'm talking about the the, the stupid iPhone uh, weather app. Well, I can't show you that because it's Rihanna flipping you off. But it's uh, the, I, I even you know what? I even <laughs> took a screenshot of it. Check this out, fellas and people on the uh, YouTubes. Look at that. I don't know if you can see that. My look at 38 degrees snow. And that's all flakes, by the way, in the little thing there. I don't know if you can really see that. Very well, but... well, I don't or... believe you. I don't believe you. So let's bring in. <laughs> I'm telling you. Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. I put it Brendan, on my Instagram story. How are you? And do you believe Sean when he says it snowed? Uh, I don't believe Sean more often than not. Erroneous, uh, Sean. Erroneous. First of all, 
It wasn't it wasn't me saying there was snow on the ground. I said this is a liar. This phone is a liar. You're a journalist. You need to confirm your information before you're spreading it. What is wrong? Well, I looked, I, I looked up in the sky. <laughs> I, I looked up in the sky. sky. I opened I, up the window, looked outside, saw the rain. I said that's not snow, but it was cold. It was very cold. I did get a well, warning wait. from my car of ice when I drove home from that that same night because and I saw it was like yeah like mid. 30s and that stood out to me too but no snow no snow okay so i'm calling cap was it on this early factor cap factor cap well, we have a factor yes. cap forever brendan where's <laughs> that been yeah that's on me next one i'll be prepared sean uh how cold did it say it was 38 yeah okay i get it water cold no, enough no, no, no. 32 so it wasn't yeah. cold no, enough but... no 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 what's it no? say it's gonna uh, be 38 the, degrees the... to snow Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it, did. it was the current temperature at that time, said 38, and it was expected to stop. So this was yeah, okay. 326 in the morning, um, which, again, I had a lot. Oh, you Damn. can see my candle, by the way, I think in the reflection. Oh. I can't get it back. There it is. Yeah, there's a candle. Uh, yeah, 38 with, uh, degrees at that time. Candles. Where are we at with podcast candles? Can I run into what? the other room and grab my new one that I got the other yeah, day? Yeah, you Go do that. I'll... I'll I'll show everybody. I'm into the. Uh, I, I switched it up. That tree farm one was fantastic. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go with the scented luminary candle. Tis the season with the Griswold truck car SUV, family structure family the the wagon with the cut down Christmas tree at the top of it. So this is it smells like Christmas. So it smells like Christmas. Uh, yeah, where's yours, James? Huh? You got one? Uh, no, I. You know, I had the podcast candle that one episode when it was just you and I. I didn't want you just to feel bad. The two of us. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. What a weird start to this year. No, Kings nothing Beat weird. Podcast. Nothing weird. Uh, not at all. Look at not, Brendan's uh, hoodie with the Deuce and Mo. I don't. I like he's that. wearing a Deuce and Mo podcast. It, I like oh. to support local journalists. Oh, I there support. we go. Mine is a uh, Rihanna Fenty uh, halftime show. Well, the king's beat the king's so, beat okay i Brennan. don't know where my lighter is um and i won't search right now but my local rite aid is going out of business and uh they had a clearance sale and so i went ahead and checked out their candle section and i got this I was... lavender and cedarwood candle Ooh. yet to all right yet to light it, it Brendan good. is known for his discount candle buying yeah, he, he it's budget budget buying. We're okay I with that. Close my door super quick. All right, all right. <laughs> Can't have mom walk in. Is uh, is there a uh, <laughs> cleaning my room? <laughs> is, is he probably has the lighter under his mattress? <laughs> is it, is the lighter is the lighter under your mattress over there to the to your left? My I right? don't know what you're talking about, but you were on <laughs> me about my background before, and I have attempted Fine. to decorate with childhood jerseys back here. What's Childhood the photo? Jerseys. What's what's the big photo there? The, That's uh, the uh Jordan pushing off. Oh, okay, cool. See you. Oh, and then we got on the far left here a Jason Kidd red New Jersey Nets jersey. Okay. We got a mellow, mellow uh Denver jersey. How a did team, that Nets jersey clash jersey. with your uh Celtics fanship that you had? Uh I did not have a fanship at this point. This is my dad literally just oh, okay. getting me jerseys. Nice. Uh Tracy McGrady McGrady. Uh, number one, I wore number one because, or when I got number one on my first basketball team, I just said I'm T Mac and decided to wear number one for the rest of my basketball career. Trash these jerseys talking. are these jerseys are folded up, sitting on the counter behind you, facing upwards and not towards the camera, right? 
Anyways, oh. um, there's also a Jason Richardson one over here. Probably my Hold favorite that one. one. A Hold city. that up. Jay Rich, dunk champion. One of my favorite oh, yeah. people in the world. Michigan State guy. Look at oh, that. My gosh. It's the sick That's jersey, impressive. too. Isn't it Jason Richardson that drove like way too fast with his toddler in the backseat, no, not in a car seat? Well, calm down. Just, just oh, I have just no clue. Focus on the negative, will you? I see what you're focus doing. I negative. think that he has the most dunk contest wins. Or he would if he didn't like sell out the last one or whatever. I don't know. My dad always complains about it. I mean, Nate Robinson had quite a few too, right? I don't know. Sure. That's like jerseys to me. I really don't care. I mean, I like, <laughs> I like, I don't care what color jerseys people are wearing. Not your jerseys, Brendan. Like, it's I don't okay. ca- like people always ask, like, what color are the Kings wearing tonight? I'm like, I don't know. Like, that's that's not my that's not in my wheelhouse. You, you did yeah, have I mean, a take on them having like six different courts. I did. I'm confused. Like, how many different courts do they have this year? Like, I don't understand. Like, He's like, those are expensive. And I'm like, well, it's not well, your yes. money. They are true. Number one, they're they're very expensive. Number two, why would you switch out to the red, white, and blue when you're playing the Clippers and have their colors on your court? Just like because you were wearing the City Edition jerseys. But I I I am on your side with that one. I think there needs to be a little bit more like thought process going into yeah to be like oh we're gonna we're gonna have this colorway with this team coming in. Oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should wait till the Raptors come into town or something like that. You know. Maybe we shouldn't just try to put up Golden State Warriors colors all over our court all the time. Just, but you know, just but I will say I think I think it's also a um, it's it, it it we make it sound like it's an easy process like it's just something like oh yeah like like I think it's something that is very it, I think the average person thinks like it's a oh okay yeah you pick your jersey no you got to coordinate with the other team you got to coordinate with your court you got I mean there's a lot that goes into it so it's probably not as simple as just saying. Hey, let's wear these jerseys with this court on this day. Okay. You're not well, buying that. We have squandered uh, over eight minutes of your life and of our own lives here. Uh, <laughs> We're really good this, at that. This podcast. And no, we will not put a timestamp to where to skip through this shit. You have to <laughs> enjoy it. 8.30. Like we did. 8.30, people. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get it now. But not <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Somebody <laughs> in the comments. We will not timestamp this. <laughs> no. Absolutely enjoy. not. There will, there will be no timestamping of this wasting of your time. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get to the business. Um, okay. If you're watching here on YouTube, we would love it if you gave us a thumbs up. Yeah, uh, subscribe to the channel. Uh, become a premium subscriber to the King's Beat. Jump on board. Go to thekingsbeat.com. And uh, we'll, again, we're working on things like happy hours. Uh, they're coming. Trust me. It's just a matter of the right venue, the right time, everything else. So uh, we're a little bit busy right now. I don't know about you guys, but like the last couple of days have been brutal. Like I think yesterday was like a 16 hour. No, yesterday was 15. The day before was like a 16 hour day. Um, a little run ragged, uh, like back to backs are a little crazy at home. Um, is that just me? I don't know. Especially when you got to get up the next morning and do a radio show. Yeah. There was so much variance between the first and the second game because it was a national TV game and it was a close game. So there's more timeouts down the stretch, but like those timeouts are doubled on national TV games. It feels like. Yeah, nobody is crying for the people that have to go and watch these games for no, a living. Not complaining. So calm not down, complaining. fellas. Calm, calm down. down. Not complaining. <laughs> Sean being the curmudgeon. Um, yeah, so 
let's start with let's start with Tuesday because um, first of all, I think everyone wants to forget what happened on Wednesday, uh, just because I, like it was it was tough to watch. I mean, that was a team. I I, I want to put this out the the way that Sasha Vazenkov described Wednesday night's loss to the Clippers. I thought was really really like spot on. Like he said, we don't want to make excuses for why we lost. We everyone's got to play back to back, but we were emotionally empty. And I, I thought that like that was like there's a little bit of I, at times I was like, is there a translation issue? But no, it was like a really honest assessment that they had had it like not only was the TNT game long, not only did it start 15 minutes late or 20 minutes late, whatever it was, we got the notice. Um, not only did like the commercials last forever. I mean, we didn't even get done with Mike Brown in the media room until 11 o'clock. Like that entire evening took forever, but it was also like, well, no, it did. It was also like this huge deal. the The Kings go down by twenty four. They look like they're getting punked by the uh, by the Warriors once again. They rally. They come back. It's just like emotionally empty. Like it makes sense to me as as far as a term. Am I am I crazy? Well, we know you're crazy. We always know you're crazy. Well, that's but... yes. Uh, I think Sasha was very honest. I think he was the only one of his teammates that spoke uh, on that day that was uh, the most honest um, because, yes, it was emotional. It took a lot of out, out of them. Um, all those things are true. And let's face it, as Malik Monk told me last night after the loss to the Clippers, the Clippers were kind of laying there, um, wait, relaxing, watching that game. Uh, also having been embarrassed by a depleted Denver Nuggets team the previous uh, game for them. So they were going to come out on 10, as he put it, and he knew they were going to come out and jump them, and they did. But I think that the, the, what was important to point out is not necessarily that all of Sasha's teammates were lying to us, but the fact that this team has struggled on second nights and really collectively on back-to-backs in general so far this season and that it shouldn't be an excuse, especially considering they didn't travel. They're, they traveled home and slept in their own beds and then didn't have to have oh. a shoot around the next day. And all they had to do was come out and play uh, and not fall. What? What? Nothing. You paused for good. a sec ahead, and then you went back. Nitro. You're back. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. My, it must have been an internet thing. Um, but yes, uh, just to clean that up, just, you know, they didn't have to travel. They didn't have to fly to another city like other back-to-backs you got to host a second consecutive night. So collectively what his teammates were saying was that shouldn't be an excuse because back-to-backs are part of the league. And we like to call it schedule losses. Like there are certain types of, you know, the one of 82s where you're looking at it and go, Oh, they're playing three games in five, in four nights. And this is going to be the one that could be the clunker. The pot, the, the reality is, and I don't mean to slam the Kings here because they are a good team. The Kings are not that good of a team to where inconsistencies don't appear in a back-to-back. And in this back-to-back, you have two 20-plus first-half deficits that you have to claw your way back from. And that is an alarming sign, given the circumstances. We get it. Uh, And for everyone raving about how great the Warriors game was, the Warriors win was, and I'm I'm right there with you. It was a dramatic, emotional, use all those, what all hyperbole you want to say. It was all those things. But it was also a collective failure to to fall behind and look like a shell of what you should have looked like 
for that game. So, uh, yes, you were able to rally. That's fantastic. Yes, you were able to come back and win. And, yes, you were able to not only advance in the tournament, but win in advance as, as opposed to using point differential uh, to do so, I think only makes that win even more spectacular. But, yeah, the next night, I think we all expected this team to to come out and look like a dud. I actually thought they played pretty well early on. I think if I was to look at anything, I think the Clippers were just red hot. I mean, they had something like 14 threes. I think it was in the first half. I mean, they were, they, I think they only missed like a handful of threes in that first half. And that's really where they buried the Kings last night. Yeah. Uh, Brennan, let's get to the, the one of 82 because they, we heard that a couple of times on Tuesday night. It's just one of 82. And that's just BS. That wasn't one of 82. That was not only a team that beat you in the playoffs in a seven-game series. It's a team that thumped you twice on, like, really weird things during preseason. It's a team that already beat you twice in the regular season. It was a game where you were about to lose uh, your season series to a Pacific Division, like, foe. Um, like, it, it's big brother, little brother, like, all of it. It didn't feel like it was one of 82. And then on top of that, you have the end season tournament thing. Like, what was your take on that idea? Because we heard it from almost every player. Oh, well, you know, it's just one of 82. And I, I don't know who told them that, but that wasn't one of 82 to me. I will say I don't buy the big brother, little brother thing. Um, I almost feel like it's been a little overdone. I, I do understand that, like, the years of history you go back to the past decade it's been the kings and then you've had the modern day chicago bulls right next door right that are just a absolutely historic franchise so i understand the difference is there but like they took them to seven last year like that was an extremely close series that sacramento had a chance of winning like obviously steph's 50 but if you make your free throws which you know another thing this season but if you make your free throws and you don't allow Looney to get a ridiculous amount of offensive rebounds or say De'Aaron doesn't get hurt, obviously a lot of ifs, but you're right there in that series. And I think that there is there were further implications than it just being the one of the 82 when it comes to the in-season tournament and the regular season head-to-head. Those are the two things that stand out to me rather than it specifically being the Warriors and like the narrative between those two teams. I I do think winning the season series is really important. I don't know that there was like this mental block or anything though. Right. Like I I think those first two regular season games were fairly close. If I'm remembering right, the clay Thompson game winner was a game that I believe De'Aaron was unavailable for and Sacramento took them right down to the wire. And these were competitive games. Like I, I feel like they've been neck and neck with the Warriors. I don't feel like the Warriors have just sunned them for the past year plus, you know, I feel like that these teams have been competitive and there is a little more to these games because of the geographical closeness between them and uh, divisional opponents. And again, you've lost to this team twice. I think that matters a lot. Um, and, and, and season stuff, but I don't know. I, am, am I crazy? Like I just didn't see the whole big brother, little brother thing. I feel like they've been competitive every time they've faced each other. Well, competitive, well, yeah. yes. Competitive, yeah, but... yes. But, but the big brother, little brother thing is very much a thing by virtue of what they told you. They, th- this team, even the coaching staff said, this team has our number. They're in our heads. They, they, it's it's a hurdle for them to have to get over. And look, fans and media can think one thing, but when your players are telling you that, 
they're they're telling on themselves and it's a reality you know and, and Steph has had some really big games against them in recent memory I used to joke last year going into last year again they played the Warriors three times earlier in the season last year it wasn't just this year and I remember saying oh you know Steph doesn't really have big games against the Kings for some reason <laughs> that's out the window because <laughs> that's everyone now now it's like all he does is have big games against the Kings um yeah, I, I would I would push back on that a little bit. But at the same time, I do agree with you, Brendan. These games, and it's been this way for, I mean, Kings fans know it's been this way for decades. When the Kings and Warriors get together, it's it's a pretty incredible game. Doesn't matter if it, if either team is good or bad, because that's the hilarious part of this whole storyline with this quote-unquote rivalry, if you will. But the regional rivalry is that historically, neither team is good at the same time. You know, um, neither team had been in the playoffs at the same time, really. We lose Sean again. Sean's Wi-Fi is Apparently. spotty today. Last time it was me. Now it's... So to have these guys, and I lost you guys. There, I'm back. Sorry. Now it's <laughs> my internet, huh? This is fun. It is your internet today. Where did I, I don't yeah. know where I left off, but uh, but but to see them meet up in the playoffs that way was a big time. It was a, was a big deal. So um, I think it's, you can go back to so many of these series and it, just games and people remember these crazy games, the Omri Caspi and Clay Thompson, or uh, uh Steph Curry shootout, the Latrell Sprewell, Mitch Richmond dynamic that they had back in the years. Um, Kevin the Martin, thirty-seven points, the thirty-seven points in one in one quarter for by, Clay. For Clay, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's all these moments, and and there's many of them, and, and to see them always have these really good games, it's just a shame that they hadn't had more playoff meetings, and that's kind of one of the things that made last year so so great. Yeah, and Brendan, I think how I view the big brother, little brother thing is like, look, it's kind of like going out in the driveway and, you know, your big brother, like he's, he grew before you, you know, he's, he's bigger, he's stronger. And you're sitting there trying to break through and finally beat him. And, you know, you can look at, at like individual games. Yes, the Kings were one and three against the Warriors last season. They, it was three and three in the series before they, they lost game seven. Uh, but, like getting past a team like that, like if, if they would have moved past them in the playoffs, I think it would have done a tremendous amount for the Sacramento Kings. So like, it would have been like, maybe they would have jumped too far ahead of where they should be. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that there is like a psychological hurdle about beating the team with four championships, beating the team with a whole bunch of hall of famers, beating the team that's right down the street. That's embarrassed you as a franchise, like multiple times over the last decade. And so, like, I know that the games were close. I know that the series was close, but that doesn't mean that they didn't lose the series and that they didn't get embarrassed by in a couple of games. And that even during the preseason, Steph just kept hitting game winners and screwing you over. So I think that there is a certain amount of like needing that to get past somebody in order for you to become who you're going to become. And I think going forward, like, I don't know that I would still focus on that. Like, well, the, the Kings won't see the Warriors again until late in the season. And at that point, like, who knows who the Kings will be? Who knows who the Warriors will be? But I'm going to guess that the Warriors won't be the team that beat the Kings twice in the beginning of the season. And the Kings won't be the team that, like, had to fall down 24 in order to beat them, uh, you know, in, in a crazy, wild, like, environment like what we saw on Tuesday night. So again, like you might be right, Brandon, uh, like I, I think we're, you know, we're just all of us are looking at this from different angles, but I definitely think it's uh, like th the dynamic is weird between these two teams. 
um with that win like uh like uh, there's some huge things that happen within that win so first of all the kings fall down by 24 um i gotta be honest i don't think that the the warriors like they comported themselves very well i thought that they were like there's too much dancing there was too much flashing threes on the bench uh by draymond green they're like there's an arrogance to that team which hey well deserved right but at the same time it like you got mid second quarter and they were like celebrating their win and and doing their their crazy arrogant you know oh look how fun they are it's it's not really that fun anymore when you're all in your mid 30s but did you guys feel that like the no. the that's vibe what they no? do well, that's what they do. And think about it. They were really scuffling. That team had been through some shit over the past couple of weeks. And to get Draymond Green back, and then they build this 24-point lead at one point, things were looking really good. And it's like, here we are kicking the Kings in the teeth again. Uh, I, I have no problem with the way they that they handled themselves. Obviously, we can get into the, the Draymond Green tantrum later. But, uh, I I mean, that's what they do. You know, if they... Uh, it, it, I think when it's all said and done, by the way, just looking ahead... The Warriors are going to look back at that Kings game as a game that could be an unraveling moment because I feel like this is kind of the last dance with the Warriors. Um, I know Bob Myers is gone, and we referred to that last year, and that was kind of what I was referring to when I said I, you will the version you know is the Warriors will not be the same as they are this year. Uh, you add Chris Paul. Um, certainly he's a very tradable piece at the moment with that contract, um, but they're in a position where you know they might be able to go out and add something and and double down. Um, but it also seems to be unraveling as well. So um, I think if you look at it from a warrior's perspective, the highs and lows, like they're, they're trying to think that, Hey, we needed a game like this. We need to kind of get back to their mojo and you're getting that emotional piece back in Draymond green only to have it bite you in the ass in the fourth quarter and watch that game completely spiral out of control. And, and, and then you Chris, lose two if, games on top. You lose two guys on top of that due to injury. Sorry. Right. And if Chris Paul's leg doesn't, seemingly randomly get sore like i don't think the kings win that game and sean I, I hope you don't mind me mentioning i really like to take that you had about how the warriors were considering the the point differential yeah hmm. yeah which was which was it. i think they lost the game as a result of that because they had to beat the kings by 12 points to advance in the interseason tournament and you'll watch that game in the closing six minutes they're just chucking threes trying to get the point differential bigger and it gives Sacramento scoring opportunities. And certainly you've seen them capable of making those shots, but they missed a lot of them. And I think Steph alluded to that after the game as well. But to me, that's where the game was lost. Now, in-season tournament or not, like I, I feel the, the Kings were very fortunate to come away with that victory. And I'm glad they were able to do it you know, and advance, like I said earlier, to win and advance as opposed to lose that game, fall 0-3 in the season series, but you advance in the in-season tournament would have felt a little cheap. And you would have had to go to New Orleans if you would have lost the game, but still one point differential and still won West Group C. Um, yeah, which absolutely plays a factor there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to the Draymond Green thing. And again, this isn't a Warriors podcast, so I don't want to spend all day doing uh, like biting into this. But um, what a complete disaster. Uh, Like like from top to bottom, like I think we've gotten to the point where like the dude flat out has jumped a shark. Like and I don't know, Brennan, if you know what jumped a shark means. Um, No, he has no idea. It's it's a term that they give to a television show where they try some desperate move for ratings that somehow will get them back and s- save the show, right? And it stems from it actually stems from Happy Days. So there's an episode where the Hold Fonz on. Happy Days. Okay, oh, like, Sean was just Happy about Days to do was the a TV series uh, way back in the eighties. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> 70s and 80s television show. Last name of the uh, family was Cunningham, no relation, and it involved Ron Howard and a ginger. Peter Winkler. Peter Winkler was the was the Fonz. So. I, I think of Arrested. Henry, like when you Peter, mention Henry, it, Henry, it makes Henry, me think of Henry. Yeah, yeah. Arrested Development, where in the later seasons they try to focus on each individual character, and it's like, yeah, this was not the way to go. Okay, but also Henry Winkler becomes part of uh, Arrested Development. Just, just yeah. the, like yeah, the so Fonz. You've seen that. Okay, so to get back to the point, Happy Days was struggling. They were it was starting to unwind, and they had an episode where the Fawns wearing, I believe it was blue short shorts, uh, a yellow um, life jacket that wasn't a life jacket. It was just a ring that he put around his stomach, and a leather jacket, uh, his patent leather jacket over a white t shirt. And he literally jumped a shark on a pair of skis. So they had a, a jump set up. And the whole episode is about Fawns 
literally jumping a shark that they had in some in a lake. So such Tune a shitty episode that they made a whole saying off of it. Well, it's yeah. why they call it jumping the shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Draymond Green has jumped a shark. And so, I mean, he had already started having problems before he gets his five-game suspension. He already had problems, right? He had already got a couple of technical. He got thrown out of the game right before that. And then all of a sudden, he he gets uh, the five-game suspension, which well-deserved. Like, it probably should have been more. He comes back in this game, and I just he's such a distraction. And, like, whether he believes that or not, or whether he thinks that he adds something or not, or he does the, I'm not going to change, I am who I am. He's like, goddamn Popeye. Like, thanks, Popeye, you are who you are. We get you. Um, but the the dramatic, like, ridiculousness that is him, he's like a caricature of himself. It's like someone drew him on the boardwalk, and this is who he is now. He's just this like bloated version of himself that's ridiculously silly and and gets his team like I watched that thing unfold I know some people were sitting right there by the baseline I guess Draymond got into it with two coaches like forever afterwards they sent him to the locker room he came back out started getting into him again Clay Thompson walks over him just like that's so unnecessary Steph Curry even talks about it in post game like yeah that was costly um, the entire thing, like him flopping, laying on the ground, uh, like begging for a call and then getting up, running to the other end after he flopped and like his bad acting didn't work. So he went down and became a bad actor with the, the officials, they tee him up, like probably should have kicked him out of the game. Um, and then they lose by one point and then they lose by the one point. Well, I mean, whether that's the one point or not, it right. still looks like it. Right. So. I'm watching this unfold and the fact that they gave him a hundred million bucks and a four year contract here is crazy. So again, this isn't a warriors podcast, but where are you guys at with the Draymond experience or uh, do you think the warriors are done with it? I still want to acknowledge that Draymond green does a lot of good things on the basketball court. Defensively, he he had a crazy block in that game. I forget who it was on uh, that. He just totally swatted it off the glass. I, I think that his playmaking is really valuable to that team. And like defensively, he's still great. He gives them some like coach Brown talks about the positional versatility and just flexibility that Harrison Martin's and Keegan Murray give like Draymond provides the same thing, right? You could do small ball lineups. You can play him at the four. Um, so I still think that he provides a lot, but it has, you know, there's like sort of a balance here of at what point do does everything you come with, you you have to be good enough to have like baggage. And I still think that Draymond is good enough, but we're approaching the point because some of this is too much where it's, he's so obsessed with saying that somebody carried and it's like your coach is telling you uh, uh, it's seeming to, try to explain it to you and you're just so obsessed with the carry and it's like dude it's already happened there's nothing that's changing or like yeah laying on the floor for how long he did initially i actually thought that he got hit pretty bad by trey but on the replay he clearly did not um so yeah some of this is too much and you see him going and complaining to refs and you can see steve kerr point to steph and say kind of you know go make sure that he doesn't get in trouble and steph standing in his way in between the official and kind of trying to calm the situation down so I think we're approaching the point. I don't 
honestly know if we're there yet. I still think that Draymond provides a lot on the court. This has kind of been his thing. And I think there's moments where his antics, I don't know if that's the right word, but. No, that's the right word. Yeah, it probably is. Um, There's moments it does hype his team up. When you're up 20 is the wrong time to do it. Like, not necessarily that there's a right time, but I do think there's times where it helps. And this is just not it. And I, I think we're getting closer to that point, but I don't think that we're like fully there yet. I think we've passed the point of where his his value on the court and his detriment to the team, it outweighs it. I mean, he just missed five straight games. And and before that, he got kicked out of a game they lost, right? So, yeah. like, at what point? Yeah. At what point is it, like, too much? And, like, even I, I, J, uh, Joe Lakeup was sitting court uh, courtside under the basket while that whole thing was unfolding, was not happy. That was, was and that was before the Rudy Gobert headlock game. That was the one where he did the victory lap, uh, in, kind of inciting the crowd a little bit, like he did similarly in Sacramento. Only this was on his home floor. And Joe Lacob, I think I mentioned on a previous show, looked absolutely irate. I mean, he just looked completely pissed off at at what Draymond was doing, and then he followed it up with the headlock. I, I, Brandon, I think you nailed it. I mean, Draymond is still such a uh, valuable piece for what they do, but at what cost? And when it's not working the the it's it's you know it's the same kind of arguments people would use against demarcus cousins um when you know it's it's things you can put up with when you're winning but when it's not and you can just see the the toll it takes on the teammates i mean you just look at steph in the video trying to be that guy that that wants to be the good teammate knows how important draymond green is to the su- success of that team but also like okay guy we get it like enough is enough we have to right. move on and it's a culmination of it all because, you know, it's a culmination of him berating the officials that, that allowed him to, it's at certain points, they're just standing there looking at him, letting him go off. But I also think people wonder why didn't he get tossed? Why didn't he get another technical? He's, <laughs> I think the officials recognized the moment and was like, this is only hurting yourself. Like you're, you're like the, the, the whole crowd is now in, is back into this game as a result of you. And you fired up this crowd then you go with the demonstrative act of showing the 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 carry or the illegal dribble or whatever he was trying to uh, communicate to the official. And at that point, it was like enough is enough. Here's the demonstrative act on top of everything else that's going on. Here's your technical. And, that's and then acting point. shocked after he got it is the funniest and, part. And then the big foul right after that, right, in, and then staring down the other official. Now all three officials have been involved. It's just incredible that, that that happened. It's it's you just watch it build up and build up and build up. And I I agree with everything you said, Brennan. I think he's on the perfect team that that can that can usually stomach it and and get through a lot of these things. And they thrive off it. Steve Kerr talks about how they thrive off of Draymond Green, both the positive and the negative. Like they they feed off that and they win off that. But when you're not winning off of that, then it becomes tough. And then you hear you know, reports of commotion and loud screams and, and conversations that are happening in back rooms outside of the locker room with the, with the Warriors. And then you add Clay Thompson on top of that. And I know we're spending a lot of time talking about the Warriors here, but there is a Kings tie to all this because of that game. And I think literally that this is going, this could be a moment where, you know, I mean, just look at the Clay Thompson thing on top of all this, where he's, paying attention to everything that's being written about him. He's struggling in his own mindset, knowing he doesn't have a contract coming that his way from the team he loves. Um, 
that would be to his liking, a max contract. You just look around and you've got max players all around you. The math doesn't work out. Um, he's going to still probably get a nice contract, but it won't be the one that he'd want from the Warriors. And they're actually at a crossroads in my mind where they have to probably move one of those guys. And who's who who would line up to take some of these guys and the bloated contracts that they're that they have and that they're due uh, in Clay's case? And how do they help winning at this point for even other teams? What does that look like? So I'm sure there's going to be suitors out there, but I think that they're at a really interesting point in their history. And as the calendar nears 2024, as we step into December here in a few days, that is going to be something to really, really keep an eye on. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. Steve Kerr is in a really awkward position because even in that game, like the Draymond thing aside, you know, take that and put it, you know, way off to the side. And I'll also tell you, Sean, Joe Lickett was sitting baseline in the game the other night and was was not happy again um, while he was watching that thing unfold. But uh, the other point I would make is that um, that Steve Kerr, like, unfortunately, like he's enabled a lot of this behavior and he's acted like it's okay. And to be honest, it's not like a lot of what's happened is just not okay. And it's gotten progressively worse and worse and worse with that team. But then you brought up the the Clay Thompson situation. Clay Thompson, like, basically unloaded on Tim Kawakami, who hadn't, like, he was just asking him a question, like, a couple of, like, two days before, right? After the, the previous game. And it was like, well, what's Steve going to do? Bench me? And then what happens in the late fourth quarter? Steve Kerr should have benched should have left Clay Thompson on the bench and stuck with Moses Moody. And instead, because of this thing that happens like a day or two before, it's in the back of your head. Like Clay is sitting there. You've got to put Clay back in because he's Clay Thompson. And you might have to pay Clay Thompson because he's Clay Thompson. But all of these things, like they spell disaster for a franchise that's been like incredible because these are just like too many steps here down the wrong path. Like you can't pay Clay Thompson max money when he's not the same player he was five years ago or three years ago. Like diminishing returns, yes. Playability, like you lost a game because you took Moses Moody out of the game and put in Clay Thompson, and then he, of course Steve Kerr admits it two days later yeah. the, the next day. Yeah, I mean he had to your point, James. He had Moody. This is had eleven of the twelve fourth quarter points to start that period. And yeah me and several people on press row are wondering like, what the hell are you doing? Why is he going out? Um, I, I understand going back to clay 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 is still able to get you 20 the way he shoots uh, defensively. It's a, it's, it's not nearly what clay Thompson used to be. Uh, and he's put some games together where all of a sudden he's feeding off of this. I got to show everybody up. Um, Cause he's put together some really positive um, uh, scoring games for him, but, it was honestly going back to the to Draymond Green that that had me puzzled um, because at that point you've got Moody cooking. You could bring in Clay. <clears throat> I can understand it, but I would not have taken Moody out of that game. I do think it really kind of disrupted them, and it wasn't the first time that's happened. It's happened several times already this year, and it's becoming a point of contention. And that's one of the things that Tim Kawakami was talking about. But it was more so not what he wrote, but it was what was said on a podcast, and Clay knew about it. 
So he knows what the temperature of the room is in that city and that fan base that want to see him come off the bench or possibly, you know, Draymond off the bench because of the way things have been going. And look, I, I agree with Steve Kerr. This is that Warriors team is a very, very good team. Um, but it's a lot like last year where there is dissension. There is there is just some turmoil there that could be tough to get over. And I don't know that they will, barring some move. Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. We spent a lot more time on the, the Warriors than I thought <laughs> yeah. we would. But I think, you know, again, you're watching two ships pass in the night. Like the Kings and the Warriors last season was the first time they've ever not only played in a playoff series, but been in the playoffs in the same season and since the Kings moved to Sacramento in 1985. That's crazy that it's the first time both teams have been in the playoffs in the same season. And you can see one team that's, you know, starting to build something and one team that's watching, you know, sort of the wheels fall off, uh, which like, let's be honest, every team does. I, I would, we talked about this on, on the insiders and I, Kyle Madsen made an, just a, a spectacular point. I think the Warriors got caught in this situation because Steph Curry just was way better than anyone thought he would be at this age. And the fact that he continues to be an MVP candidate, it puts a weird, awkward stress where you don't have time to wait for a James Wiseman to develop or a, or a Jonathan Kaminga. You don't have time because you've got this like superstar who is losing, like he's running out of time in the league. And so you have to keep trying to piece things together to, to hold it together. And I, it's just really an interesting dynamic to watch it play out because like great dynasties usually end like abruptly. And this one is mm. like, it's kind of, it died off and then it came back. And then, um, and now you're watching like, how is this thing going to unfold? And it, it, to me, is just, it's really interesting to watch. Um, so the Sacramento Kings, uh, have advanced to the in season tournament. Uh, they play the New Orleans Pelicans on Monday. The Pelicans keep getting people back, like Trey Murphy's back. Uh, they got someone else back, and then they lost Larry Nance. Oh, oh, yeah, TJ McCollum is TJ back? Uh, CJ, CJ did. I'm sorry. CJ has come back, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, this is going to be interesting because the Kings already had problems with that team. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, you got. This is a, a crazy week for the Kings. They had the Warriors followed by back to back with the Clippers. And then you have a game against the Denver Nuggets on Saturday, which again should be a really, really interesting game. Um, those teams have really battled and had really strong games against each other. Uh, followed by the end season tournament, which is Monday. If they win on Monday, they play on Thursday. Uh, if they against yeah. whoever wins the Lakers or the Suns. And if not, I don't think we know what happens. Um, I think they would play the loser, the other loser. Like they would play the loser of Phoenix in LA. But where? Uh, One of the home be... stadiums. Yeah, I'm not, not in sure. LA or not in um, not in it's, Vegas. Isn't this bizarre? We have Very. no idea. Like it's like Very. the whole thing is crazy. And no matter what, if if you lose and you play, you win or lose. You're going to play either the Lakers or the Suns. If you win, you will play either the Lakers or the Suns for a fifth time Yeah, during the season. Well, and now you have a chance to even the season series with the Pelicans because you play them four times now because oh. it was a created game. Oh, wow. Okay. And this is one of 82. I know that's a ridiculous term, <laughs> but it, it actually counts as one right. of the 82 games in the season 
and the end season tournament still doubles up as both a regular season game and an end season tournament game. How do you think the Kings get through this one? Uh, like, can they can they do something different than they did when they were in New Orleans and, and really got thumped? Yeah, I mean, I think they had good fight in that second game, right? But the first was was obviously tough from the beginning. I mean, the big issue really is Zion Williamson. But like, I think this is kind of a league wide thing. Like Zion is going to get to his left every single time. And it's probably going to lead to good things. Like they just beat the the Sixers without Joel Embiid for what it's worth. But Zion, 11 of 12 from the field, 33 points, six assists, eight rebounds. Like this is kind of what Zion does. I think you need to be cleaner with your double teams. Like after that, I believe it was the first one. It might've been the second New Orleans game though. Um, it, it was definitely the first, actually. They were talking, Coach Brown said post game, like we were tr- supposed to double him from the jump. It's like, I don't remember very many double teams, to be honest. Like, you need to be cleaner with your doubles and get there faster and then have proper rotations after the fact. I thought in that Warriors game that, for example, they're blitzing Steph Curry the second he crosses half court, a lot of times with Sasha, because it's who the Warriors are trying to involve. And I thought the Kings did a good job rotating afterwards. So I think defensively um, that you definitely need to be more clean with your rotations, but also the Pelicans don't shoot that many threes. And if the Kings can get their shots to fall, I think that you have an advantage when it comes to just putting up more threes than twos and you need to still take smart shots. I feel like we've seen the Kings fall into coach mentions it a lot of like taking a shot in the first side of the action rather than being patient and really taking a good shot instead of waiting for a great shot. And that depends on where you're at in the shot clock, obviously. But I think that they, absolutely have an opportunity to beat this team. And I think they're going to be extremely motivated to obviously in season tournament, but even just to have the opportunity to even that season series. So Zion is his own problem. And I do think that doubling is big, um, but you have to be clean with your rotations. And I do also think that Domas needs to be better against a guy like Valanchunas. So we've seen him struggle against Looney, Zubak, Valanchunas. I think that like Steven Adams sort of falls into this. These are the mold of players that he typically struggles more against. I'm not saying he's always bad against these guys, but they give him a little bit more trouble. And I think that Domas having a good game is is pretty key for this because De'Aaron seems to be on every single night. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. No, I, I, look, I mean, Zion has just been incredible, by the way. I mean, I, I remarked on it in the last podcast, I think it was, too. I think I've even bounced this off of some some people throughout the league. Like, what? I don't know that there's a strong belief that the Pelicans can, can remain healthy, and there's obviously that big question mark with so many of these guys on that team. Uh, and now you throw C.J. McCollum on there. Brandon Ingram's obviously struggled with injuries, and Zion is his own, you know, even Valanchunas struggles with injuries. So it's, it's, will this last? Um, but they've shown the ability to be a very physical defensive team. Uh, I, and again, I don't think they're, I don't think they've got the right coach there. I don't love the way they're coached, but they have really been a defensive team. And Zion has been incredible. I mean, the scoring is what it is, but nine steals over the, the last six games, they've won four of six. Two of those are against the Kings. The fact that they have to come out to Sacramento, though, and uh, I was trying to bring up their schedule a a second ago just to see where they are before that, I think kind of bodes well, especially if them trying to work back C.J. McCollum a little bit. 
Uh, I think this will bode well for Sacramento. And I think I agree with you, uh, Brennan. Domas will be the key to everything. He's got to be able to be more impactful, or at least if he's not going to be a big scorer in that game, he's definitely going to have to be still moving, uh, facilitating the offense. Um, Fox is playing at such an elite level right now, but um, I, I really feel like the Kings should be able to handle that game. Uh, I don't, I can't see them losing three straight to the Pelicans, despite how well they have been playing. So I think that the table is kind of set for them, but also by the way, Herb Jones has been really, really good uh, for them and he gave the Kings fits. So um, yeah, I think they've got enough tape now to be honest, after those two games in, in new Orleans and dealing with some of those injuries, hopefully they'll have Keegan Murray back um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I like the Kings chances on Monday. I do real quick want to echo your point of the schedule, though. I, I think that's a really good point because New Orleans schedule is tough tomorrow. I forget who they play at home, but they play a home game Friday. And then Saturday, they go to Chicago on the second night of a back to back. And then they have to make their way to Sacramento on Monday. It's almost polar opposite, right? Like Sacramento, first game they played in New Orleans, second night of a back to back after playing in Denver or in Dallas. And then the next one is also a road game it's the late latter half of a six great six game road trip and it's almost like roles reversed here yeah and i also think the kings are playing like third game in four nights one of those games um i believe yeah like the back to back yeah after the back to back like one of the games against the pelicans it was like uh one of those oh i got you yeah yeah where you're playing the the third time in four days um, yeah, so they are playing in Chicago, so they've got to fly out. That's going to be interesting. Um, before I like, there's one other thing I want to bring up about this specific matchup, but, uh, before I do that, um, let's get to prize picks. So, uh, we have been playing prize picks. I have been playing prize picks. Brandon has been playing price. Uh, Sean is not playing prize picks. He, he's like, he's fighting us. He's fighting us on this, but, uh, Brandon I live vicariously is- through you. I love your picks <laughs> and I love watching what happens to you. Oh no, my picks are horrible. Like I am the worst prize pick player of all time. That's what Sean loves. But sitting next to Matt George, Matt George is like, he is an emotional wreck the entire game over his prize picks. Uh, And and then we, we have like between it's the, between the front row where Sean and I and and Matt are, and then the, the row right behind us, you guys, you have your own little battles when it comes to prize picks. Uh, But uh, Brennan, have you have you been having a good time? Have you have you found any success? Because I know I have not. No, I uh yeah, I did participate yesterday. I will admit my safety deposit came back from my last apartment, so I was feeling like you know, let's do it. Um, but uh, <laughs> always been on black, um, Brennan. Yeah, you know, so uh no, it's fun. You know, I, I did kind of uh Sean's previous words echoed in my ears as I was as I was doing it and I was pretty good about not checking it throughout the course of the game I think I peeked at it at halftime and said yeah this isn't happening I bet on Norm Powell and he got hurt so I was pretty screwed there uh but you know it is a very enjoyable time I uh my deposit did not fully go into that game so I will probably have some fun on non-Kings games when when we're off here but I, I do have a good time there we go. Yeah, I, I dig it too. Uh, you can play prize picks. Uh, it's legal in California. It's legal in a bunch of states. Um, but it's also, it's one of those things where, um, number one, you can, like, the there's a crazy football game tonight, like the Seahawks and, uh, what do we got? Seahawks and, oh my gosh, why am I drawn? Oh, and Cowboys. So, like, you could do a 
part of that as part part of your prize pick. So you can do NFL, you can mix and match with NBA. I think there's all kinds of avenues. And it's just for me, it's we're not out there uh, throwing a bunch of money at this. But what we are doing is we're having a good time and uh, we're like, it's just part of our our evening of basketball watching. So uh, if you guys are interested, there's a code in the description down below. Uh, it's also in the Kings beat newsletter that you got if you're part of the Kings beat family. Um, so yeah, there's, there's lots of ways to join prize picks. And again, it's just a fun way to add a little new element, a new wrinkle to your basketball, watching football, watching baseball, watching. If you watch hockey, I don't know who hockey, watches hockey. I, a, uh, one time I took oh, above 0.5 on Connor McDavid during the NHL playoffs and I've never had more fun watching a hockey game. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I was like, well, this guy's like the Kyrie of hockey. This is crazy. It, it's this is a great time. It's funny. Uh, like <laughs> a bunch of you guys decided to take uh, less on Malik Monk 0.5 offensive rebounds. <laughs> it was like chaos. Yeah, it was. And, and it hit. It hit. Like, just saying. Every time he went up for a rebound, everyone's like, <gasps> Chris Watkins next to me was like, he's going to have a sick putback dunk and it's going to just feel horrible. I, I was hoping to tweet out uh, offensive <laughs> rebound for Malik Monk. It did not happen, though. Uh, so anyway, uh, to get back to the games, uh, again, if you want to join in prize picks, uh, it's in the description. We're, we're having a good time with it. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, the other thing I, I was going to point out is that the Kings just, I mean, not the Kings, the Pelicans, they just lost twice to the Utah jazz. And I watched a little bit of that and the jazz did a great job of walling off Zion. And I'm wondering like the Kings tried it, but I'm wondering if zone, they, right? can, they can, they can try the zone. Yeah, the zone, but they also, they're building a wall. They're literally putting it, uh, one man on Zion and then another man right next to him and another man right next to that. And they're saying, 
we will not let you beat us with your left hand. I think he still put up like 26 points. Um, <laughs> but the Jazz won both games. I think to the be one accurate, difference James, it was uh he didn't he didn't play in, in in the first Utah game, but it was the second one. Yeah, 26 points, man. Seven yeah, assists. He put up 26 points. Yeah. And I think the other thing I'll point out is that the Sacramento Kings don't have uh, Walker Kessler on their team. And so that changes the dynamic a little bit because he's or, such or a great even like Lori Markinen at the Laurie four, Markinen. John Collins yeah. at the three. Like they have it's, size. The, Kings the other guy have size. is Olenek. I was yep. watching Olenek like sits there and can he, I mean, he he's so physical. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the Kings can do, but I'm wondering if there isn't some some insight you can take from the Utah games as to how to defend him. Is it crazy that one player can have like that type of impact? I mean, I, like the last person I remember having sort of this type of where like you had to fully game plan. I mean, sure, you have to game plan for Giannis, right? But the guy that like sticks out is Shaq, where like right. it's like a team effort. Everyone go run down and slam into the dude. But is there someone else you can think of outside of that? Well, that, like, I, I think no. I mean, I think you nailed it. But I'm. But I think I mean there are, there are some certainly. But but what I what I feel is the Kings have the ultimate kryptonite, and that's speed. You just have to run the hell out of him. And he's look, he's that freight train. He has great speed, but. The one thing that isn't quite there either yet or um, hasn't returned yet is like the speed and the explosiveness. He's still an explosive player, but it's not like the explosiveness you saw at Duke in the first year in the in the league and before the injury. So um, he's still don't get me wrong. He's still a freight train. But uh, if you run him, I, I think that that will ultimately be the best kryptonite to stop. Like he's still going to get his points. It's everyone else. It's will Brandon Ingram be on that night. Will CJ McCollum try to be a chucker that night? Will, you know, if you can like, Jose Alvarado, right. Or going yeah. to if you, Herb if Jones you can have beat you for 18, you just can't have that. No. Yeah. And if you can have moments, look, and I know Alvarado just went down with an ankle again. He was battling an ankle already, but guys like that are the guys that kill the Kings when they play that team. Zion is going to be his own anomaly, but speed kills, man. And I think that that that's the type of game where you just need to put on those track shoes and bust out your Ferrari and let it go. It's also kind of, it kind of exposes their flaw of roster construction, right? Like, right. I don't think that, one guy is stopping Zion, but you don't have anybody that's close to slowing him down. Like Harrison's not doing it. Keegan's not doing it. And like, I can't really honestly expect somebody to go take a charge from that guy. I would never, I would never, there's no <laughs> shot. Are you kidding me? Business taking that charge. Absolutely not. Me and Davion Mitchell, we're taking that charge every <laughs> single time. Davion Mitchell might be the spot. only guy. True. He'd be the only guy to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Keegan Keegan tried. Is that where is that where Keegan got where hurt? The back happened. No, no, he said it was in Dallas. Was in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he said it was in Dallas. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So uh yeah, I have no idea. I, I don't know even even know if it's a coin flip. Um, but I think that having the game in Sacramento is a big deal. Uh I also think having Keegan Murray back would be like tremendous because He's the only guy who has the length uh, to, that can stick with Brandon Ingram, in my opinion. I mean, I think Kessler Edwards did like his best. 
but the Kings are, you know, they're better when they're playing with their offensive pieces and everything's flowing. Um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued, but you're gonna have to see uh, whether whether Keegan can go. Uh, and that's kind of a mystery. Uh, he he practiced on Monday fully um, and then wasn't able to go on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's an SI joint irritation. Uh, so lower back, like across the lower back. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see what happens with him. And it kind of brings us go ahead. real quick. Does it stand out to you guys that this is the second time there's been a back thing with Keegan? Not really. I thought about that earlier too, but he only missed the one game last year. So that could be really anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, maybe a little bit more delicate only because like I asked him, I was like, it literally comes down to pain tolerance. And uh, I think they're wanting it to evaporate completely, but um, thought that there was like, I was, I'll be honest. I was a little surprised he didn't go against the Clippers because figuring that he had played the practice, um, had the shoot around, uh, got all the the rehab knowing that he wasn't going to probably play against the warriors and then the second night of the back-to-back but i think they looked at the schedule and said well if we eliminate you from these two games you have two days of rest one day, another day of, of practice on friday before we played denver and that's probably the thought process there but who knows that's that's hopefully a best case scenario at this point as long as they keep the get, keep the pain away okay so i'm going to say a couple of things um Number one, uh, he had this, he had an injury in his low back the exact same day, the season before, right? It's kind of random, but I also, I know that the previous season, he was also, he had some personal issues going on off the court. Um, and he was under a lot of stress. A lot of back injuries can like be traced to stress related stuff. Uh, I wouldn't be horribly shocked if part of it was like stress related stuff. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him right now, but I, I would just say that, like, I, I think that, you know, like the way his season started has been pretty stressful um, and, you know, expectations and all that stuff. There's a lot of stress on the kid. Uh, I would also point out that um, like anyone who tells you that having a back issue is especially for an elite athlete like these guys is like a pain tolerance issue. That's not the case. Like they're, there are things that happen with your back where you just literally can't move and you take the wrong step, the wrong time and things start to tighten up and he could be in trouble like very quickly. And also you just don't move the same way. So like, while it can't like, again, can he play through the pain or not? That might be a question, right? But at the same time, is he the same person? Is he the same player? Can he move the same way? And the fact is it, this isn't like, uh, like a hand injury where like it hurts, but you might be able to play. It's something where like, if you're not moving the same way, you aren't the same player. And so I'm kind of intrigued to see like when he gets back on the court and sort of what the explanation is going forward. Uh, and whether this is like a short-term thing or something that pops up again, I think, yeah, it's a good I, think question, Brendan. I think also too, like for him, it's point it's important to point out that he had mentioned pain tolerance because it doesn't sound like he's had the immobility you know where it's the tightening up and then being having that type of thing so i agree with you and, and and but but with him it's it's from what i understand and from what he said it it sounds like it's more of a pain threshold rather than the immobility of of having it tight to where he can't be free to have movement and things like yeah. that locking up if you will yeah i gotcha gotcha um okay that brings us to the business of basketball 
Um, there's something that's happening here that's kind of interesting. Um, last season, the Sacramento Kings started the season 10 and 7. This season, they started the season 10 and 7. Um, with all they of need to the... make a move. <laughs> no. Shut is up, that where you're going? That's Shut where up, he's going. Sorry. It's not where I'm going at all. Uh, what I am going to say though is, well, I, I guess the question is this, like, do they feel the same? Like do this last season start this season start? Uh, the one thing I, I would point out is like, I, I was, I looked it up before we got on, uh, Keegan's missed the last four games, but really it's four and a half games. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, five games, Kevin Herter missed a game. Trey Lyles missed 13 games. Alex Lynn missed eight games. Keon Ellis missed three games. So what is that? 24, 29, 30, 34 games. They've already got 34 games missed to injury. Uh, last season, again, they had a couple of games missed to injury, with, especially we talked about Keegan missing a game and stuff like that, but but it wasn't 34. Um, are you guys surprised that they are at 10-7 and 7 this season uh, with the, the sheer volume of injuries they've had so far? Or... You know, like, does it do they look the same? Is this a lateral team? Like, it looks exactly like they did last year, and you don't know where they're going to go from here. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I just think it's interesting that they're both, both last season and this season are 10 and seven, and they had a six game winning streak this year, a seven game winning streak last year to get to 10 and seven. Uh, like, there are a lot of similarities between these two starts. I think defensively, there's been more encouraging moments right like I, I feel like the last three four games you go back to that for that second new orleans game first half super tough defensively second half i feel like they locked in and were better and gave themselves an opportunity to win that game um same thing in minnesota first half was bad second was better same thing in golden state it might even come down to the fourth quarter where they really turned it on defensively and then it didn't really happen against the clippers but I feel like you've seen more moments of the encouraging defense this year. Like they currently sit at 19th, um, which is a little bit of progress, but start obviously starting from a low bar. I think that there has been, again, just more encouraging moments. And, and that's really what stands out to me. I think offensively, this team is still there. They're going to knock down more. Sh I, I think more often than not, they're going to knock down shots more than what we've seen to start this season. And, there's been progress like De'Aaron Fox looks way better. I think Keegan Murray and DeMontis Sabonis have shown improvement on the defensive end. And those are the main standouts to me. So I do think that they have gotten incrementally better or there's reasons to think that maybe there are slight improvements, but like more often than not, more so than not, this is the kind of the same team. They have the same strengths and same weaknesses as last season. Yeah, I think it depends upon like which team you're referring to from last year. Like, if in your mind's eye, is it the playoff team, the the, the team in the playoffs when they were playing the Warriors? Is it the team that uh, after the trade deadline, after the All Star break, or is it the team that you remember from November, or maybe forgotten about November, December? I think it's uh, they've they've shown flashes of it, and I think certainly the six game win streak will stand out. I mean, there's they they tinkered their offense after uh houston Domana sabonis got so much more aggressive i think people forget how really good domas was to start last season i mean he was incredible 
And I think he's had a little bit more of a slow start this year, but he really got it put together in that, in that six game win streak. Um, with, with Fox, it's funny because, you know, you'll hear fans and media talk about like when they're, they'll always use the, if they're healthy, if they're healthy, and they'll by and large call the Kings healthy from last year, they'll push back. And I always say it's just availability. They were able to play that made them healthy. That made them available, but they were still dealing with things this year. I think they've, with the injuries, it's curious to see how many of them would be injuries that would allow them to actually go. Like, would they be able to play through some of the things that, that, that they've experienced? Have they been, have they aired a little bit more on the side of caution? Um, but it's interesting to see them fight through that adversity. So in that regard, I don't think that they've been similar. I think they've had identity crises on the offensive end at times. I think last night is kind of an example. I mean, things got slowed down quite a bit and obviously you know, we kind of outlined possible reasons why, but um, I, I feel like there's so much attention to defense and physicality and trying to endure certain things that is taking them out of what they, where their bread is buttered. So finding that maybe that, that consistency or finding that balance between the two and Mike Brown talked about it, like the, you know, they can, they can slow up on offense a little bit. Um, but they still want to keep their foot on the gas, and that's going to be a, a delicate balance there. So um, I, I think they haven't looked quite like, by and large, the team that you saw after the All-Star break last year, but I'm interested to see how December plays out because last year, December was the moment where you're like, all right, this team, this team's good. Like this team, at least for me, this is this is where they've, they, they've shown it, that they can be a power in the West. And the West was kind of taking a, a certain form and they were right there in the mix. So um, I wonder how competition around them in the Western conference will look. Part of me wants to see just get like with respect to the in season tournament and all the fascination with it. I kind of want to get beyond it. Um, enjoy the moment, but then kind of put that aside and, and really kind of take a, a closer look at where they are at that point. I, I still feel like you can do both, but I feel like the tournament does add quite a distraction uh, to ultimately what you have with your team. So, um, and I think you, you're hearing about it with players and coaches kind of call out the way these games are being played and having to use stars so often in minutes down the stretch and, and not being able to, I mean, that's just coaching, honestly, if they want to win, but you can still, it. the NBA would probably push back and say, hey, coaches, you can still use the depth of your team. You don't have to um, totally play guys uh, all these minutes to go after the same points you can do elsewhere coaches will say no the best way to do that is with your stars so uh it, it's an it's an interesting thing but i feel like the the play in tournament or excuse me the in-season tournament will be a uh a distraction and then you'll be able to really kind of see with some of these teams where they truly are it, it's funny how it like ironically the in-season makes you lose track of the one of 82 huh like yeah it to an extent at least no i i'm with you brennan I understand what you mean there, because I mean, just think, I mean, what if you, what if you win the end season tournament and it becomes like this catalyst for you to like take off? What if you lose the end season tournament and have like a three game stretch where you're trying to like lick your wounds? Like, we don't know. Like, I, I think it's an interesting development of how it's like, how it's playing out. The fact that, you know, a guy like De'Aaron Fox is going out there and, and putting up all these points, trying to keep his team in point differential and everything else, like even, and then coming back the next night when it's not an in season tournament, but still having to fight because, you know, that's again, you, all of a sudden it is one of 82. 
and so I, I think it's an interesting dynamic. I, I think we're we're gonna have to wait and see how it all impacts everything. But uh, as far as this team and who they are today, uh, I'm gonna point out a couple of things. Number one, De'Aaron Fox is not the same player he was last year. He's a much better player, and I don't know how he's doing that, but um, he's just a much better player. He looks so much more comfortable in his own skin. And it's just something that we've seen from the time he's 19 to where he is today, where it's like slowly becoming more and more and more of who he is. But at this point, he looks every bit the part of a superstar. He was on the court with four Hall of Famers last night and was the best player. Uh, even if James Harden scored 17 points in the first quarter, he was still, he was incredible. And it's something that it's fun to watch a player like take these steps. Um, I also think like getting Trey Lyles back means way more than, it probably should, but way more to this team than um, than has like really been thought of. Like because his ability to be a small ball five to, I, I think Sasha Vazenkov his last couple of games, that's because of Trey Lyles. He's opened the spacing, he's opened the floor, uh, and I think that the Kings again, if everyone stays healthy from here on out, that's going to be one of those pieces that you he subtly changes who the kings are on the court and um and so yeah I, I think that this team has an opportunity to be way better than last season's team um and i think if you factor in the 34 missed games already due to injury into your equation i, I think that the fact that they're in the same exact spot is pretty impressive so uh, you know you're not probably where you want to be you probably wanted to be a game or two ahead of this uh but I don't think that there's outside of the two Houston games where there's a huge step back where you let up against a team that you probably shouldn't have lost to. And um, record wise, like last regular season was great. This year is just about, can you do more in the postseason? So being at the same spot at this point in the season is a good thing in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I get you, but you're not going to be the three seed if, if it plays out the same exact way. Right. And so the playoffs gets more difficult because you're not do hosting a home field, a home court advantage uh, first round and stuff like that. So, um, all right. I think that's going to do it. Uh, are you guys ready to trade anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Just messing with you. Uh, no, I, one guy, I, but you I, know, I think this is funny, right? Uh, th th this is fun, right? Like this has been a good season of like, the in-season tournament somehow did add an element to this season. I don't know. I, I felt it. Like, I think you guys have felt it. For like, sure. it's it's like the entertainment value, the games have been, I think, better, more competitive. Uh, I think the point differential thing actually does matter. Uh, I hope that they make it worth more than just monetary next season. Um, like, again, like, we can think different ways to to kind of, like, incentivize these guys, whether it's, like, moving up one spot in in your bracket like in the western conference or eastern conference finals i mean a playoff picture i think that would be cool i think there are ways to make this like incentivize it to mean more than just like they get a big stack of cash you know what's um, been really kind of uh surprising to me is when you look at the in-season tournament for every single team or to where we to where we are right now right in the knockout round uh, the quarterfinals yeah, we're talking four games, right? Four games out of, I think most teams have played only about 18 at this point in the season. So four games. So conceivably, you could have had a team with a losing record enter the bracket. You don't have one. Um, I think the closest thing to it is like the Pacers. At, I think they're at like nine and eight when I was looking at it. Nine and um, seven right now, yeah. Nine and seven. Yeah. I think 
10 and 9 is is the Pelicans? Is 10 and 9. Right? Yep, yep. 11 and 8 so, for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised that you don't have like a team that has a losing record in, in this. Just because, again, we're only talking four games. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, I mean, Houston Houston is, almost made it, right? right? So, I mean, and they're 8 and 8. If they would have won, though, that would have put them at 9 and 7. So, yeah. I, I only so, point that out because, like, you know, I was talking to our good friend Marcos Bertone, and we were talking. To, he was at the the Kings Warrior game, and we were talking a little bit about the the, the in season tournament. And I know he's a huge soccer fan, and much like you guys, you James, and he was talking about how he's like, yeah, the team I root for is just they have no, they never have a chance to win their their league or or win mm-hmm. the championship, and and really the fan base loves these in season tournaments because that's where they get their biggest brightest moments and and he's putting it in, in context that way where i'm kind of like okay and and me as a soccer guy i'm not a soccer guy but like trying to understand and apply that towards the kings and i'm looking at it, it's like well and and maybe that has to do with point differential as well because like if if not for point def- differential maybe there was something else as a as a determining factor like you're still getting the kind of the I wouldn't say the cream of the crop, but at least the usual suspects kind of a thing for by and large. Um, I don't know. Just something that's a little interesting to me. Yeah. I yeah. thought this cemented the Kings as one of the better teams in the league. The fact that they went four and made it through. I mean, it cements you as like, okay, you're you got one the of the two seed. Yeah. You might not be one of the top, uh, like f- I think you're a top four team in the West, but this kind of said, okay, yeah, you're right there. And so, and with the soccer thing, I think what happens in the in-season tournament stuff, so they have two major cups, like the EPL has two, the English Premier League. They have two major cups that are built into the regular season. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, boy. Jeez. Um, Sound yeah. like me. Yeah, I, well, I was sick for like a week and a half, um, like during the road trip. So, um, but uh, what happens is, you'll have like a major game on a Saturday, right? Against a, a top tier opponent. And then you might even have a champions, a champions league game on the next weekend, right? On an, on the next Saturday. And then in the middle, you'll have one of these cup games. And a lot of the good teams that are like the highest end teams, they have so much to play for in those other two games that they'll bring in, they'll allow younger players or they'll sub out like most of their superstars at least for a half and play those games a little more like relaxed like more of like a friendly and then the other team usually doesn't feel that way because they're they don't get to play for the championship and they're not playing for the champions league so they they have these things that are put in place and like i just don't think that that's we're seeing that a little bit here right where some of the teams are like okay well we're already out so we're not going to sit there and play our dude 40 minutes uh, when we got a game tomorrow night, right? Like, if, again, if the Kings were out, like, they're going to play the Warriors really tough either way. But if they were totally out of it and they were down 24 in the first half and they knew they had the Clippers the next night and there was no in-season game, there's a good chance they would have said, hey, white flag, let's Domas play for tomorrow. Admitted, Domas admitted post-game that, you know, the fact that they went down whatever 20-plus at halftime there was an aspect of like, let's just get this to 11. And then once they got it there, they could get it yeah. to an even game. You know, I, I credit to him, by the way, he was the only one willing to admit that. 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Deeran's say, like, we were just trying to win the game the whole time, and it's like, I believe that. But I asked. That's, that's why I asked Fox. That that's why I asked Fox after the game. I was like, like, would it have cheapened it? And he says, No, we're used to AU, so we're used to point differential kind of kind of situations. Yeah. And I, I do feel like there would have been a a cheap feeling there because with respect to Fox and the history that that all these players go through with AU, this is the NBA. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have you have fans that pay money to come see you guys that that isn't just like a you know canned canned food donation to go watch an AAU team kind of a thing right. like I, I i think that would have felt different okay cool did you guys catch uh joe Missoula telling his team to intentionally yeah. foul andre Drummond up like 30 because they're trying to get the one seed and oh. billy donovan was just pissed he had he he was so upset. He had to tell him at the, the mid court that yeah. meeting, and and it looked at, at that point it looked like Billy Donovan, as much as he was disgusted by it, was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, it's very that's, interesting though. That's wild. That's wild. So, but I guess that's part of it, right? That's don't get blown out. <laughs> like I guess them are the rules. Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. Do we have any final thoughts? Uh. Let's start with Brennan. What do you got for us, Brennan? Uh. Well, uh, my window's not helping me today. Um, I don't have a window over here. What uh, movie were you I, watching I, that you fell asleep and never texted us back to do the previous podcast? Oh, yeah, I was not watching a movie. I fell asleep yeah. during that Kings game, will admit. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was tough. Yeah, I, I had a long handful of days leading up to that. That was on me. Um, I don't really have. Or was that just on the Kings? They you put know, you to it sleep. Both. It was that first New Orleans game, I believe. That was a tough yeah. one. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that the in-season tournament has been a blast. I, I think that I also, to Sean's point, like expected, like I, I thought that teams like Orlando, who's been off to a really hot start, or you think of like Utah last year, which I think of mm-hmm. Houston this year, right? Like I, I thought these teams would be more prevalent in it. And Indy might be the closest definition to that. Um, but I think it's been a resounding success. Like there's really no downside, you know, there's, if you don't make it in your first couple games, cool, proceed as usual. And if you do, which obviously we have the perspective of a team that has advanced in this, which makes it a little bit different, but it's been a blast. Like the environment in that building for that Warriors game, I I do think partially because it's the Warriors, um, but I think it being an in-season tournament game played a factor and, and there was great energy in that building. I just, you know, credit to the league. Like, I didn't trust the play-in. I didn't really trust the in-season tournament. But the second that Steph won his first one and then is posting about, you know, first step on the way to Vegas, I'm like, all right, well, if the players buy in, then this is going to be fun. And I think that a lot of them have. So I guess credit to the league. I've enjoyed the in-season tournament a lot. And if I go to Vegas, I will really enjoy the in-season tournament. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Just saying. Good for you, Brendan. (laughs) If they make the finals, I will join you in Vegas. There we go. Sean, Sean, final thoughts? It's beyond. That's Oh, I thought you were asking me if I'd join you, and that's beyond my control. That's up to my management's decision. Um, I would like to join Vegas for what it's worth. Well, first of all, my guy, it doesn't have to be a in-season tournament championship for this guy <laughs> to join you in Vegas. I, you know, I bet. find a break in the schedule and let, <laughs> let's make this happen. Vegas. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to go check out that sphere and you too. And, uh, 
Oh, see, you two, the band, not you two in general. I'm just saying, like, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, oh, yeah. But thanks for no, clarifying. I, I know my I know my uh, way around <laughs> Vegas quite well. Uh, my final thoughts would be, uh, I really don't have much, but I I am looking forward to look. I, I think everyone knows I I you know cover a lot of different sports and. Uh, we've got Niners Eagles. I talked about this in the last uh, podcast, oh, yeah. how much I'm looking forward to that. That is going to be must-see TV. Can't wait. But before that, I've got some high school football to attend to on Friday. I won't be able to be at the, the Folsom game on Saturday because Kings play the Nuggets. But it is so rare when you are one win away from state, okay? And they call this for in our area, it's the NorCal Championship Regional Championship or the NorCal Bowl, as most people call it. It's rare to see two teams from the same section uh, fight it out for the right to go to state. And we have that very scenario on Friday night. And it is the Grant Pacers who are a really, really fun, talented team with with D1 players all throughout their roster. Um, guys going to top colleges and they've moved up from division three is where they re- they were state champs last year they're now division two and they're going to be up in rockland playing the rockland thunder which for my money is probably the best high school football environment that w- one of the best there's there's a hand few there's a hand select a, a pair of others but i think it's in for my money it's one of my favorite atmospheres to watch high school football so if uh anyone wants to see a really really fun fun matchup and root on a team that's going to go to state either team wins they go to state so it's a lot on the line go support or you could go to stockton and watch the ignite just saying but you know that too that that's also i forgot but it's the other thing you got two shot at two shots at the ignite so if you can't afford to go check out king's nuggets on saturday you can go check out the kings and the ignite since they'll be playing there so and uh brennan if you do go to the ignite uh make sure to say hello to our friend pete youngman Yes, I will be there Friday. I'll say yeah. hi. He will be in town. He also, uh, we did this on the live show. We'll we'll wait until we do another live show. But we had Pete gave away two uh, year subscriptions to the Kings Beat premium subscriptions, and uh, we already gave one away. And uh, we've got one more to give away, but we'll wait until we do a live show here in the next uh, week or two. Um, all right. So final thoughts for me. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the end season tournament. I did not think it would be that big of a deal. I think it turned out to be a really cool thing. Um, kudos to the NBA who did something right once again. I don't know how they keep doing this, but uh, it's they they keep doing it right. So, um, do you think you'd still like it if the Kings, let's say, you know, at one and three in the tournament? Do you think you still would have enjoyed it? Yeah, I think so because I think the games it okay. brought an intensity to the game, and I think games around the league were better. They were better because of it. See, that's the part I'm a little unsure of because I feel like. I feel like a lot of these games would have still been good, but I, I that's I the part I know people pay attention to them. Yeah, I agree. I think they brought in the casual fan to, to pay attention to something that typically they may not until Christmas time. Yeah. Well, I also think it's jumpstarted the league. I think everyone's excited about what's happening right now and they're not waiting until December 25th for the official kickoff of the NBA season for the so, NFL to be done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's worked out really well for everybody involved. So, uh, yeah, and, and I think it's cool, and I will I will try to make a trip to Vegas if they make it to the finals. I hope they uh, play Indy, by the way. Wouldn't that be a hoot? That It'd would be, be crazy. great. Yeah, a hoot. there you <laughs> go. A hoot. I think it would be that would be a blast. I mean, I, I think the NBA wins right there. 
if somehow you've got uh you know i, I hope that the bucks are in right yeah, hope it's bucks not are like, in. like kevin durant against lebron james uh, no kevin durant right, against, that'd be amazing. against Giannis antetokounmpo in the but finals. the but the Pacers have to get through Brendan's Celtics, so it's going to be whoa, Pacers, Celtics, whoa, whoa, whoa. Bucks, Knicks. Yes. <laughs> oh, Bucks, that. Knicks. Oh, Pacers, okay. Celtics, by the way, will be Monday, the same night that the Kings play the Pelicans, and then the next night, Lakers, Suns, Bucks, Knicks. So that's okay. some fun stuff there. Sweet. Uh, outside of that, final thoughts, I don't think I have much going on. Uh, the boys are playing sure soccer. Anything out the uh, window? All weekend? No, nope, I don't need to. Uh, I know the weather looks like right now. Uh, yeah, the boys are uh, heavy in their their soccer season. So, go Bear River. Um, it's not easy. My my oldest coaches, my youngest plays. Uh, but uh, so I will be watching some soccer here over the next couple of days. Um, outside of that, uh, make sure to go and follow Brendan's work everywhere you can find it. Uh, just go to his Twitter links, and he can you can find your way to where Brendan writes professionally. Huh. Uh, make sure to go uh, check out all the good work Sean is doing at Fox 40. Oh. Uh, like great videos, but also Sean's covering football. He's covering high school. He's covering everything under the sun and doing a great job doing it. <laughs> uh, jump on board with the insiders on ESPN 1320 with me and Kyle Madsen. We're having a great time. Uh, it's beating both of us up because of scheduling. Uh, but Overall, it's it's been great, and there's been lots to talk about with the in-season tournament and NFL and Kings and everything else. So uh, give us a listen there. And uh, outside of that, thanks for tuning in to the Kings Beat Podcast. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll have another two shows. Uh, we'll be brought to you by Prize Picks, and we will still be a Blue Wire podcast. So for Box 40, Sean Cunningham, and Brendan Nunez from the Kings Post Podcast. I am James Hammer, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you soon.